Cause if you've only got a mustache, a mustache, a mustache, if you've only got a mustache, a mustache, a mustache, a mustache, big mustache, thick mustache, my mustache, your mustache, say the word, the word mustache, a mustache, a mustache. Now we both have said mustache, a mustache, a mustache, if you've only got a mustache. Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition, a new and improved edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by our friends over at Celsius. I am John Ledyard from PewterReport.com, along with Scott Reynolds, also of PewterReport.com, and we have a brand new look here. We got a nice little overlay here. Check this out. I mean, look, fire, right? Thank you, Edward. Appreciate the respect, but yeah, we're looking... Spiffy right now. I mean, at Maddie Big Chest on uh on Twitter. Yes, design these overlays. He does an awesome job. Great kid. Um, he did some great work for us. Really quick too. Turned it around fast for us. So, yeah. Uh, we were pumped about that, and we're pumped about the new look, and we're pumped about Steve McClendon coming back and Giovanni Bernard signing. I mean, it's a great day to be covering the Bucks once again, Scott Reynolds. Yeah, and speaking of quick turnaround time, I mean, we got Giovanni Bernard a little bit earlier than expected on the conference call today. Boy, what an interesting guy he is. I mean, we had some some fun. John, you asked him about his his mustache, which was a Have tremendous to. question and probably <laughs> an even more tremendous answer from him. He he called it a COVID protector because he he grew the mustache during quarantine and yeah. and then shaved it off. I don't know what that means because I can't. I don't have any facial hair. I mean, I, I shave, you know. Just, Wait, I was going to ask you this, actually. Can you grow a beard here, Scott? I didn't no, know. I cannot. No. I, oh, we, okay. we talked about this before. I can I can grow the soul patch, and that's just the extent of it, you know. so That's good. But And the soul patch is not coming back. Sorry. No <sighs> no amount of super chat is going to allow that to, to come back, according to Mrs. Reynolds. So, <laughs> but we talk about, about, you know, mustaches of all mustaches. I mean, Giovanni Bernard had a tremendous mustache. Oh, my gosh. And, and I love his answer too, Scott, because he was really like, I related to his answer. He said, I don't know about other guys, but when I'm shaving, I just kind of like, uh, you know, do weird facial hair, right. weird stuff with my facial hair. And I was like, dude, I do it all the time. I keep Wouldn't a handlebar mustache or whatever and like sideburns. Like, and then I go out Can't and like, Britt's like, what are you doing? Shave that immediately. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, I mean, I don't have much. She doesn't have, yeah. no, but she likes to have a beard, but anything other than that, no, it's out. So. Yeah. Can't do, can't do goatee. Can't do anything like that. So Gio was great though, man. What a, I mean, just, if you don't know about his story, by the way, Bucks fans, we won't go into a ton of detail here, but go read and just research and look up some of the things about Giovanni Bernard's story. Uh, what a story his life has been uh, to get to where he is, to get to where he is right now. is just, it's really, really cool stuff. The perspective he has is really, really cool. So definitely check out what you can and read about his yeah. backstory. Um, and I'm really Pumped on the field, pumped off the field that he's a part of the Bucks. Pumped that Steve McClendon's coming back, Scott. But we got to talk about the ripple effect of these kind of moves. Yes. The Ross Cockrell signing yesterday. There is going to be some ripple effect that could affect players at the bottom of the roster, uh, other players at certain position groups. And to be honest, it could probably affect the draft and who they're going to draft. So we are going to talk about all of that today. It's going to be a great show as it Steve always is. Steve McClendon's back. Podcast. That's right. Ross Cockrell's back. That's right. And it's going to be brought to you. Geo signed. This is Geo signed. Look at these an amazing graphics, week already. You know, already. I mean, here it is Wednesday, and and it's been chock full of Bucks news. 
right yep. before the draft. So uh, yep. it's it's certainly going to be a fun show, John. It's going to be a fun show, and it's all going to be brought to you by our friends at Celsius. Celsius, baby. Powers active lives every day, Scott, with essential functional energy. Check out that Kiwi guava. It does. John, went with the peach vibe today. How about that? Mm. Yeah. Wow. I gave some to my buddy the other day who covers the Eagles, actually, and he was like, I need more of the peach vibe. That's his favorite. He loves the peach vibe. I almost forgot how good it was because I always bury myself in orange and and creamsicle and the grape. Those are kind of my go-tos, the blueberry pomegranate, the heat flavor. But uh, I'm telling you, so we have some people here in the chat. I want to see real quick if you if you've tried Celsius, just type yes. I just want to see how many people have, have tried Celsius. So if you're in the chat, just put yes. Yep. I'm just curious to see how many have. I and brought. You, I think I brought Scott like I want to say like six cases or something like that to one of my buddies, and he he went through it in like three yeah. weeks or something. Yes, it's quick. It's good. It's good stuff. It, it, it is. And here's how you find it, right? You want to go to Celsius.com, click on the store locator, put in your address, and then all the locations will pop up, whether it's a health and fitness store. Or I get a nutrition smart down the street that, that has a whole bunch of flavors. It could be a place like Walmart or Target. Uh, it could be a convenience store. But then you can try each one of those flavors at those locations and see which one you like. Then when you do, go to pewterreport.com, click on the Celsius banners. They'll take you to Amazon. You can buy in bulk, save lots of money. Yeah, absolutely. It's been, uh, it, we've loved it. We've loved uh, having them as a sponsor and we've absolutely loved, uh, obviously the, uh, the, uh, the flavors, the ver- the variety of flavors too, yes. that, that we've been able to get. God, they got like 20 uh, something. It's crazy. Oh man. It's awesome. Uh, so, okay. Giovanni Bernard officially signed. We've touched on a little bit, Scott. I love the Giovanni Bernard signing, and I was able to be on just enough yesterday on yesterday's podcast to give people <laughs> a little that. taste. A yeah. little taste. Yes, Vector and I had some words yesterday, uh, <laughs> but it's all good, I think. Hopefully, the show is going well. We'll see. Yep. Um, but um, yeah, I wanted to touch a little bit more on Giovanni Bernard. I think Bucks fans at this point, based on yesterday's show and our tweets and my article at pewterreport.com, are in just knowing a little bit about Bernard. They know what he's going to bring to the table as a player. Now we know a little bit about what he'll bring to the table as a person. The tricky part about this, Scott, is what is the what is Giovanni Bernard's ripple effect going to be on this roster? Because as much as yeah. we like to say the Bucs have this great committee backfield now, and it's true, somebody's going to lose playing time. Like last year, everybody thought it was going to happen with LeSean McCoy or with Keyshawn Vaughn, and it didn't happen. Uh, it right. was not part of the equation. So now we get to the trickiness of – how does this backfield meet itself mm-hmm. out? It is not going to be three split roles. It's just right. not. So how you know Bernard's going to have his role actually. So he's yeah, the guy. Oh, yeah. I don't think he will lose <laughs> playing time. He'll have his role. He's clearly the best at his job. Yes. Now it comes down to Leonard or Rojo, and this could be tough. Huh, Scott. Yeah, and you know what, John? I think the Bucks are still going to draft a running back this year. Um, yeah. And whether it's going to be at the number thirty-two pick uh, overall, is it going to be? Uh, on day three, I, I'm not sure, but the Buccaneers, I think, will add another running back to the mix. And the reason for this is real simple. You've got Ronald Jones, you've got Leonard Fournette, and Giovanni Bernard all under 
the contract for just one more year, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the only running back on the roster in terms of being under contract right now in 2022 is Keyshawn Vaughn, and the jury's still out as to whether this guy can can be a guy that can help shoulder the load and split carries in the future, if he can be a factor on third downs, if if he can be a factor in special teams. You know, it, it might be bye-bye Keyshawn Vaughn. You, this team might be, John, at at such a level where they're cutting third-round draft picks, right? It's one thing to draft Jeremy McNichols out of Boise State a couple years ago in the fifth round in 2017, and then he didn't even make it to the active roster. They cut him in training camp in 2017. As a fifth-round pick, you know, it's not a lock to make the team, but a lot of times they'll give you the benefit of the doubt as a draft pick to make the team. Right. But it might be a one-and-done for Keyshawn Vaughn if he doesn't really prove himself. Mm-hmm. But to, to your question, I, you know, it's going to be whoever wins the starting running back. If it's Leonard Fournette, if he picks up where he left off in the postseason, right? Then it's. I think it's going to come at the expense of Ronald Jones. I, I think that that Ronald Jones, if he doesn't come out of training camp as the number one back, I think there could be some games where he's he's almost inactive, uh, depending on <sighs> yeah. if they draft a running back. And what I mean by that is. Like uh, a Michael Carter or Javante Williams, uh, obviously Najee Harris or Travis Etienne, I could see some of those players taking some some carries away from whoever the number two back ends up being on this team, whether it is Leonard Fournette or Ronald Jones. Right, and it, with Keyshawn Vaughn, it's become so difficult because there's no path to playing time at him for him at all right now. Less path to playing time than there was last season, to be honest. Because now we know they really they they like Leonard enough to at least bring him back. They you know Rojo's over a yeah. guy like Vaughn, and now you have Giovanni Bernard coming in, and basically the signing of Giovanni Bernard basically says we don't trust you, Keyshawn Vaughn, not yet. And how could they? I mean, he had yeah. like 11 targets last year, dropped four of them, fumbled twice. I mean, it's just. It's everything you can't do with your limited right. opportunities as a rookie. And I'm not saying the guy will always be bad, but right now this is a team that's they don't have a lot of patience right now. You can't you can't play no. or you're gonna hurt the team. You won't see the field. And that's the yep. Rojo situation too, to a degree, Scott. And yep. that's why I wonder, even though I agree with people in the chat, I see Ty T saying Rojo is a better runner and Geo is better at passing responsibilities. I agree with that, but at the same time, Scott. I just don't know if they can count on Rojo. Do they feel like at the end right. of the day they can count on Rojo as a player? Can he not fumble? Can he not drop the ball? Can he make the right mis- or the right reads and things like that for the backfield? Does he pick up people? Are they too predictable when he's on the field? Because yeah. they can't count him at all as a receiver. I mean, he literally couldn't even find the ball out of the backfield. He only had, what, five, six drops? But how yeah. many other opportunities that he should have caught? Did he not get his head around? Was he in the wrong place? Right. I think there's a frustration with that that boiled over to when they said – it's do or die time. We need yep. a guy that we know won't beat our team on the field. And even though I don't think that describes Leonard completely, mm-hmm. I think it describes Leonard so much more than it does Rojo. And at the end of the day, for a team like this, that matters a lot. And that's why I think yep. Leonard Leonard could be the guy that's fine and Rojo could be the loser out of this. Well, and the thing is, John, momentum is real. It's one of those things that that the stat nerds and and the you know the the, the data analysts can't wrap their heads around because it's not quantifiable. Yes, uh, And I'm not saying that Leonard Fournette has momentum heading into 2021 because the 2020 season's over and there's going to be a you know training camp battle, preseason battle between those two guys. And, and it's the NFL is a what have you done for me lately league. Mm-hmm. That's always apparent. But right now, if there is some momentum heading into 
2021, it's going to be on Leonard Fournette's side. I think the confidence is there, and I think that the team's confidence is in Leonard right now based upon how he did in, in the postseason. And right. uh, so, but then then you have to look at the fact that that Ronald Jones was literally, uh, what, 22 yards away from a 1,000-yard season last year, right? right. He had a 98-yard uh, yard touchdown run. He averaged 5.1 yards per uh, per carry over the course of the season. He ended up with seven touchdowns, which was a career high. And you look mm-hmm. at the regular season for Leonard Fournette, right? He was he was a healthy scratch in week 14, John, against the Minnesota Vikings. And he, yeah. only, he only finished with six touchdowns, 367 yards, a 3.8-yard average. But as we know, it was a tale of two seasons for Leonard Fournette. Postseason Lenny, playoff Lenny, Lombardi Lenny, whatever you want to call him, was way better product than mm-hmm. what we saw during the regular season. Correct. And the same with Rojo. Rojo was way better. He had a stretch of three 100-yard games earlier this season. So it's really just going to be about which which running back shows up. Yeah. And I think right now, you, both those guys are hungry. They're in the exact same spot. They're in the contract year. It's going to be fascinating. I mean, all eyes are going to be on the running back position at training camp. Right. And I'd say this about Rojo, and I know people get upset and frustrated because they like Rojo and they saw his production last season. He's a 1,000-yard rusher if he doesn't get uh, have the injury issues and the COVID thing and all that at the end of the year. Like that impacted things for him, clearly. But at the same time, and now actually in the same vein of that, I do think Rojo is a better runner. Like he is. I think yeah. he he's a, you have a better chance of getting an explosive play and a right. breaking a tackle, which are two of the most important things that a runner can bring to the table with Rojo on the field. The other side of it is the predictability when he's on the field because he's such a bad contributor in the passing game. And and yes. I he wastes plays in the passing game. It's not right. just the drops. I know people said, well, Leonard had drops in the playoffs. That's true, but it isn't even just the drops with Rojo. He doesn't even know how to get to the right place and that yeah. was his third year in the league. And it's just yeah. those are the kind of things you're going to lose plays with them on the field, and that will just frustrate a coaching staff. I'm not saying I think Rojo mm-hmm. shouldn't play at all or that he should be traded, which I know we'll talk about in a second. I'm just saying, Scott, that I look at from the Bucks coaching staff perspective. Right. There's a reason Leonard was playing when it counted the most. He was playing right. more when it counted the most, and it isn't just because of the, the little injuries that Rojo struggled with at the end of the year. You know, the other thing that's interesting, John, is is here you've got Ronald Jones, who's 23 years old, right? He's he's going to be 24 on August 3rd. Then you have a, a running back that's a little bit more experienced and is 26, just turned 26 in January. So there's there's a, a you know, two and a half year differential between those two running backs mm-hmm. and Ronald Jones entering his fourth year uh, in the league this season for Leonard Fournette. He's he's entering year five. But I think the one thing that we can probably say is that I don't know how much better Leonard Fournette is going to get. I don't know that that uh, that there's a higher place for him to grow. I think he's at a ceiling right now, and I think if you look back statistically speaking, right, he had a a thousand yard season as as a rookie, helping the Patriot. I should say helping the Jacksonville Jaguars get to the AFC Championship game against the Patriots, nine touchdowns that year. So that, that like that that was almost as good as he got. Then he had in 2019 with Jacksonville 1,152 yards and he had a, a three touchdown season. So I, I think that's what Leonard is. He's about a thousand yards, maybe eleven hundred if you give him enough carries. He had two hundred and sixty eight carries as a rookie, two sixty five two years later in twenty nineteen. With Ronald Jones though, 
I don't know where his ceiling is because this is a guy who did not look at all like an NFL player as a rookie. I mean, 23 right. carries, 44 yards. He averaged 1.9 yards per, per carry. It was it was pathetic. Then all of a sudden, he's the most improved player on the roster the next year. 724 yards. He beat out Peyton Barber for the starting spot mm-hmm. kind of late in the season. Had six touchdowns, averaged 4.2 yards. Still couldn't catch a cold, though, right? This is a guy that 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 really was not that good of a receiver. Um, although he did catch 31 passes for 309 yards, uh, he made some strides there in year two. Then last year, he really improved as a runner, right? I mean, he yeah. had like almost a thousand yards. So we've seen him grow from um, not a good player at all to a guy that that looked like a competent back in his second year, and all of a sudden, a guy mm-hmm. that could catch the ball after dropping everything as a rookie just about. And then we saw him take yet another step as a runner, going from 4.2 yards per carry to 5.1. So Mm -hmm. there's there's more of a ceiling with Rojo, but I'm just not sure how how big of of a ceiling that is. I don't know where where that room to grow is. But there's more room with Rojo than I think there is with Leonard. I agree. And that's what makes Rojo a more interesting trade chip. I'm not saying Rojo will get traded or should get traded. But if Javante Williams falls in your lap in the second round and you're the Bucs and you love him and you can't pass on him, what do you do? What are you doing? I mean, you can't yeah. you gonna bring all five of these guys in the next season. Like right. you got to move somebody that has some value. I, I uh, really don't think Keyshawn Bond's going to have value. Although, John, trust me, when the Bucs traded for um, for Rob Gronkowski, right, what did everybody say? Well, O.J. Howard's out of here. They're going to trade O.J. Howard, right? And they yeah. didn't. You know, well, right. they, they have to cut Cam Bray, right? I mean, you have, you have O.J. Howard. They just right. traded for – Maybe they do know, just want five backs. <laughs> maybe they do. You know, I mean, you're gearing up for the Super Bowl. Who knows? I'm just saying right. it's – it's. Uh, I, I wouldn't put anything past this team right now from a, from a depth standpoint. I didn't think they were going to sign Antonio Brown late in the season, especially with Scotty Miller, right, coming out of the gates. Mm-hmm. Was yeah, such he, a, was I mean, lead, he was the he was leading, leading receiver, receiver. Yeah. when they signed Antonio Brown. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just saying, nothing would right. surprise me with this team. That's what makes right. draft weekend so exciting this year. Right. It does because there is it could affect the roster in ways that we can't even begin to predict. We're going to try to cover right. all the bases until the draft, but it's impossible. I mean, if they draft a running back in the first three rounds, that, it's a running back. That's not a position that you want to even right. – Think about sitting like a wide receiver or a quarterback. You know, it's positions that could take a little bit longer. To, like running backs play, period. Yeah. That's why yeah. Keyshawn Vaughn not playing was so troubling. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, it just, they tend to play early on. It's a, it's a youth best, a youth is served type of position. And so I think that that's where you get into the discussions with, okay, could you move somebody and, and not so much for the cap, but just really for like the, the, the ability to, to get something back, you know, even if it's right. you trade Rojo, I know Bucks fans are going to believe it, but you, you know, what is he in a contract year? You're, you're only going to get like a fifth or sixth for him. That's just yeah. reality because that position. Um, right. So maybe that's it. Maybe that's, maybe that's enough, you know? So I say all that. I don't know that it's necessarily going to happen. It, it because I think a trade for, of someone gets put on the table. If they mm-hmm. draft somebody, it doesn't mean they will, if they get a great offer, you know, yeah. But yeah, the other part of it is drafting somebody, Scott. Like if you draft a running back in the first three rounds at least, what kind of message is that going to send to the roster, to the running back room? I know Giovanni Bernard doesn't care. He's going to do his thing right. no matter what. He's made it clear to, to today that he doesn't, it wasn't even really about his role. He just wanted to be a part of something like what Tampa Bay is doing. Yeah. But I'm not slandering Leonard or Rojo. They want to play. They want the opportunities, especially Leonard. And if, 
And Gio right. comes in, okay, that bites into Leonard more than it does Rojo in terms of yeah. Leonard could be the feature guy, honestly, if, if sure. he were to be, play at that level as a runner. But now you've got a situation where he's already, okay, I'm not going to probably have my same passing snaps that I had mm-hmm. last year. And now if they were to draft somebody else, it's – I mean, Leonard's a prideful dude. He said that himself. Sure. Like it could affect yeah. some things. Listen, John, we see it all the time. When when do most college football players enter the transfer portal? They do that in the spring, right after mm-hmm. the spring game, right? After after spring football, right? The depth chart's kind of been settled a little bit. They kind of see how they stack up with the competition. And then they look at it and say, I'm not going to get any playing time here. You know, yeah. I, I'm going to try my luck elsewhere, right? Because I want to I get on the field. And I think that's what happens if Whoever doesn't win running back one, they might want out. They might want an opportunity to go elsewhere. And listen, when injuries pop up around the league, um, there's there's not usually when it comes to midseason or even even really early season, the, the savior uh, is not that out there on the streets, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it, it rarely is that happening. You find somebody on the streets that comes in and, and it helps you right away. But here you've got a guy in Ronald Jones that's been a starter for two years. And a guy, Leonard Fournette, that's been a starter for pretty much his whole career in the NFL. Right. Um, there, there might be some value there. You can trade one of those guys if you draft a running back that shows you something as a rookie, that steals some carries, that forces his way on the field, whether it's a Travis Etienne, a Najee Harris, a Javante Williams, a Michael Carter, you know, who, uh, Kenneth Gainwell, whoever it is. Right. So that's the scenario where I think one of those, those guys that we think right now are, could be starters could be trade bait. Yeah, it is. Um, it's a great problem gonna, to have. It's it a, is. It's a great it's problem a to have. Luxury of riches. This is what it you is. get when you win the Super Bowl and you bring everybody back, including Steve McClendon, John. Right. I mean, McClendon being back in the fold now, and in all of it, you know, Cockrell coming back. It's like, where right, does well, this team even literally have space on their roster, Scott, for yeah. another right, player? Let's, for, let's for talk about Steve McClendon because I think out of all of the free agents. This is the guy that that we did not expect to be back, right? He's right. 30, we thought he'd retire. Yeah, 36 years old, mm-hmm. 30, 39. Is he 42 now? How old is he? Is he 50 yet? He, he's, 30, <laughs> oh, he's 35. He turned 35 in January. Yeah. He For okay. the second straight year, he'll probably be the oldest D-tackle to take a snap in the league. Right. And Sue With will this, be second. <laughs> right. So so they've re-signed Adnamakan Sue, who's the starter. They've re-signed um, Rakeem Nunez-Rochez, otherwise known as Nacho who stepped in and started in place of the injured Vita Vea. Obviously, Vea's back. He's in his fifth-year contract. He's a Pro Bowl caliber nose tackle. They also re-signed McClendon, right? So you've got all, you get everybody back from the Super Bowl team at the defensive tackle spot, and you have Khalil Davis in the hopper. John, is this an indictment on the 2021 defensive tackle draft class i think well, it better is. be <laughs> better right? be yeah it's not a good d tackle class the fact that nacho mcclendon are back the fact that sue's back i mean bringing back three of those guys helps you a lot do i think the bucks would like to get somebody else in the rotation in this draft yes i think they will draft a defensive tackle you have mcclendon you have sue you have golson all going to be free agents after the season nachos on right. a two-year deal but you know he's a backup at this point so yeah. you're absolutely still looking for the future at, at at this position, uh, not all those guys will be back next season as they are this this season, and so it's important for them to be able to find one. But this, right. to me, says, "Oh, you don't need to find a guy who even plays year one. Like you You're just right. need to find a guy eventually." And John, in a class that, as you and I have both said, defensive tackle, this is probably a spot 
where there, there, there might be a handful of guys, right? Like literally a handful of, of defensive tackles, whether it's a guy worth taking in the second round or whether it's a guy worth taking on day three. Mm-hmm. There's just maybe like one guy that you're going to get out of the five that, that they even deem worthy of fitting in this system. Yeah. And so I think I think is if if the, if if the round and the fit don't match, and if the draft rolls by and they just didn't get one, I I think that they've shored up the position enough by bringing back Nacho and bringing back McClendon that they can put it off for another year. I, I'm with you. I think they're going to draft the defensive tackle, but they've safeguarded themselves to where if, if they if the right guy isn't there, they don't have to reach for one because they don't need one. Right. And I exactly. Think that's right. The important thing. Yeah, it is the important thing. And this this goes right into Barnes one. He asked, John, I know you say this defense tackle class sucks, but surely there's someone better than Khalil Davis and Nacho. Yes, but the, the point of it is that if you're taking somebody with the first round, that's not your barometer, right? You're not so you're not trying to get better or as good as Khalil Davis and Nacho. You're trying to get as good as Vita Vea if you're taking a high pick. Right. You know, maybe not a 32, but pretty close to. You want to yeah. you want an impact player for years to come, a second contract player. I just don't think you're guaranteed – you're not guaranteed that ever. I, I don't think you're even certain of that at defensive tackle. Yeah, it's not as I promising just, this year. It's not. It, it's it's a big risk for a lot of these guys at the top. Now, could Davion Nixon be really good? Yes. If he keeps his head on straight and keeps developing, he could be. It's just hard when a guy's that far away from where you want them to be in the NFL. Now, they have time to develop some people. That's why it's going to be difficult to say – the Bucks made a mistake no matter who they draft. It's going to be hard to do that, except yeah. at maybe a few positions, because they could take they have the ability to take a guy like Onwuzurike or Barmore or Nixon, mm-hmm. be, who are far away from what they could be, but have more potential than other D tackles in the class. And you could say, okay, well, they're going to have opportunity to sit and learn. And you really just hope the Bucks vetted the character and the work ethic well. Yeah. You know, if they don't take one of those guys. I think they did vet it well, and maybe they think they didn't like what they saw because it's definitely a position where they know they're going for upside. Um, I just don't know that there's a ton of it in this draft at that spot. Now, at edge defender, which is where I am starting to lean for their first-round pick, I I think it's going to be interior offensive line. If it's not, I think it's going to be an edge defender. I am am starting to zero in, Scott. If if you didn't read Mm -hmm. this past week, I eliminated six positions for me that the Bucs should not consider – in the first round. I don't think they should consider D tackle linebacker safety. Those are kind of self-explanatory maybe based on what you've heard me say at this point, Yeah. quarterback tight end and offensive tackle. I took them off. I took them off the board at that point. I would love for them to look at corner. I don't know if it's going to be a sweet spot for corners. I think a few are going to be mm-hmm. off the board early. Plus they have four in Cockrell's back. That was, that changes right. things a little bit from the time I wrote that article. So maybe it isn't corner. Okay. Let's go to defensive. Uh, let's go to, um, to, uh, wide receiver at that point or running back. Mm-hmm. Sorry, let's go to running back yeah. running back. I don't think it's going to happen in the first round. They still could draft one, like you say, but I, not in the uh, first round would shock me at this point. Okay. Yeah. So now you're down to four different position groups. You've got wide receiver, you've got edge defender, you've got uh, off inter- center and guard. Those right. are your four. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be one of those four positions that they're going to draft from right. wide receiver, edge defender, center guard. And I would, I would, be very surprised if it isn't a center or guard at this point. I, yeah. I just would be. I mean, I think Kappa is going to get money or Jensen's going to get money, and maybe both of them are going to get money. And their first two picks could be interior <laughs> offensive line, Scott. They That's do crazy. not want Tom Brady to play quarterback for them, not only just because of his age and his style of play, but just period. Right. They want an offensive line long term. I think they're going to take like Landon Dickerson and Quinn Miners if they get the chance to do it, Scott. Yeah. I really do. I think that's 
that's going to be the perspective that they have on this draft. Is right. That's a great position group. There's it typically is. good players that you can find at that position at the end of round one. We have immediate need for depth and, mm-hmm. and a long-term need for starters there, and we can do that in this draft. I think that's where they're going. And, John, lo and behold, right, They we had Landon Dickerson in our latest Bucks seven-round mock draft on pewterreport.com. Mm-hmm. If you didn't check that out on Monday, do so. Uh, we have Landon Dickerson there. So, uh, you know, there's the spoiler in the first round for the Bucks. I think we're right. probably the only only media outlet that has forecasted Dickerson as a possibility there yet. I think and, you're right. And, yeah. And so mm-hmm. it, it, it makes sense. It makes sense because, again, you're looking at at a position, whether it's right guard or whether it's center, you're going to have Alex Kappa mm-hmm. and Ryan Jensen in the last year of their contract. Both of those guys aren't going to be back. I mean, one's going to be gone. So there will be a need. People have talked about, okay, what about Aaron Stinney? All right, Stinney's the same way. He signed a one-year deal. He will be a restricted free agent after uh, – actually, he'll be – yeah, he'll be a restricted free agent after that because he was exclusive rights this year, but they they signed him to a one-year okay. deal. Um, Stinney had a but nice, also, nice yeah. little run, but he's 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 got to beat yeah. Kappa out this year in training camp to that is not going to happen make any money i don't, I don't see that. <laughs> alex kappa just earned the highest performance incentives of any player in the yeah. league this like people well, and, people, and also I don't too, forget here's quick. a crazy stat alex kappa was the only offensive lineman this year that did not allow a sack for in tampa yeah. Right. right. I mean, that, I mean like, and I, and that, that isn't everything, but you're exactly right. That clearly matters. You can yeah. start 16 games and not give up a sack in an offense that throws vertically down the field as much as this one does. I mean, that's, yeah, yeah. there's no way around it. That's very impressive. He, Kappa is a, clearly a better pass protector than right. Aaron Stinney. You could make arguments exactly at times right. that Stinney does certain things better in the run game, but there's not a, in terms of stealing, there's not a, yeah. So, and I even think, I think Stinney can be upgraded on his depth. Honestly, I'm glad they brought him back. It's nice to have yeah. him. It's nice to have Wells, but neither of those guys. I to me, the interior offensive line depth is like the like that's where I want to see addressed right, right now. And I like I said, I it wouldn't shock me at all, Scott, if their first two picks are on interior offensive line. And I saw some people yeah. ask about tackle. By the way, I, I ruled tackle out, but not a tackle that could convert to an offensive. So like Kevin Jenkins, Elijah Vera Tucker through there, <laughs> you know, that could be. All right, Charlie Charlie Abrams meant to say minors. He says that in, in the next there. But can you imagine, John, if Jason Light drafts Landon Dickerson from Alabama with the first round pick, and then comes back and drafts Quinn Miners from Wisconsin Whitewater in the second round? <laughs> can you imagine one two punch at center guard right there? You've got two. Bruce Arians, Jason Light type offensive linemen going off the board. And, and I mean, your offensive line is solidified, John. It is solidified I, for the next three years, right? God, if you ask me right now, if those two players are on the board when the Bucks pick, I think those are their two players. Like, I, yeah. I would guess that that's who they're targeting in the first and second round. Obviously, yeah. second round especially is a. I'm very much guessing, but yeah, it's not just the fact that they're positions that could be of need next year, right? And that's a position they clearly do not want to see drop off at all on this team. But to me, it's also, Scott, the fact that both guys are culture fits. They have the personality. Totally. They have the character. They're they have the Division three chip on your shoulder with, <laughs> yes. yeah, with minors. I mean, they're good players. They're good athletes. You know, I, the only question is really Dickerson with the injuries, and I can't yep. speak to it. I, 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 and I know it's, I saw some people comments from the last show. They were like, we're taking a center with that many injuries. It would be a horrible first-round pick. Right. Because you've gotten hurt doesn't mean that you'll get hurt again. That's the That's important right. part. Like, yeah. You can't predict luck. But you also sure. have to say, okay, he tore his ACL both knee. Like, is there more likelihood based on looking at 
mm-hmm. things that doctors look at, not things that I have any knowledge of, right. they don't tear them again. And if so, yeah, I don't want them in the first round either. I'm just only talking about what I can know. I, that element of risk is going to be there. I just can't analyze it at all. So yeah. I, I just don't, well, you there's know what, not John, much point in me talking about it. The thing is, is, is knee injuries are, are they're just so they're fluky. Like it's the, the, twists they're, and things like that. They're fluky, but an ACL tear in this day and age with the technology and the medical right. advancements is different than it was five or even 10 years ago. The reason I say that is remember, we got to remember that Jamel Dean has, has torn an ACL twice. Okay. And right. th- this is a guy who started off at Ohio state, and, and had to redshirt and miss two years. He only played two years at Auburn, his sophomore and his junior season, because he missed two years uh, of football due to those ACL injuries. Last time I checked, the guy ran in the, what, the four threes at the combine mm-hmm. and has yep. been healthy outside of a concussion um, since, since playing in Tampa. And he's the fastest Bucks DB. So those ACL mm-hmm. injuries um, are a thing of the past for him. It didn't slow him down at all. There was no long-term repercussions from it. So, um, yeah, you, and how look, many times do we see? How many times do we see an offensive lineman like tear their ACL three times? I mean, it just. Yeah. I'm just saying it doesn't really happen very often. Now yeah. it could it could affect his ability to play after a while if they feel like oh it's going to wear down after a yeah. few years. You know, okay, then don't draft him. Like absolutely, I'm just saying what I can see. Character right. on the field tape. I started watching him last night. I was watching Florida last night. I mean. Just an uh, just an awesome tape. One rep, I think he lost one yes. rep. One yeah. rep is, I mean, yeah, he's not even perfect technically yet. But I bet he's right. coaching at Florida State was so bad that now he's like on his way to what he could be. Now he is older and he dominated people as an older prospect, right? And so there's things to think about like that for sure. He he's not a lock. I'm just saying that I think sure. he's at but 32. It, he's a good player, yeah. and it's what they need. It, it's not uncommon for for centers and guards, especially those interior guys, where you don't need to. To have as much, you know, lateral quickness, uh, you know, when you're out there wheeling around, an edge rusher playing left or right mm-hmm. tackle, right? So you've seen a lot of quality guards play at age 32, age 33, 34 at a high level. So even even if this guy is 24 years old coming in, you can still get a decade's worth of football out of him uh, mm-hmm. as as a first round pick. And again, with the first round pick, you have the luxury of the fifth year option too. I know a lot of people say, "Well, trade out of the first round," you know. There's merit to that if you can stockpile picks. But the problem, John, is this team doesn't need more draft picks this year. It's going to be hard <laughs> enough for this year's rookies to right. come in and, and, A, find playing time, and, B, make the roster, right? And this could yes. be the year where the fifth, sixth, and seventh round picks in this team just don't make the, the roster, um, depending on who they pick and, and where, obviously. But just because it's so veteran-laden, and the stated obvious goal is to repeat as Super Bowl champions this year. So it's not about depth and development. And those guys, fifth, sixth, seventh rounds, they don't pan out, you know, anyways, mm-hmm. uh, typically. Um, so I, I, I'm just of the opinion it's, that I, I don't see the value in trading back into the second round to stock more, stockpile more picks. Maybe you mm-hmm. trade out and you stockpile picks in future years. I could see that. But John, I, I'm not or worried you, about or, yeah, or, quantity this yeah. year. I'm worried about quality players. And, and you're almost you're almost th- thinking about the fifth year option, right? That, that's what I'm saying. Wanna, yeah, that's what I'm he's saying. He's not going to play the, much the this fifth year, right? The fifth year option is is golden um, because that allows you to keep a Vita Vea for next year. That allows you to keep an OJ Howard for this year to make sure that 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 these guys are, you know, as 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 good as advertised. That they they have that first round. A draft status that they live up to that and 
and are worthy of, of a big time contract. Or in the case of an OJ Howard, you want that extra year to determine, you know, do I pay this guy for the production or the potential because he's been injured? Mm-hmm. He's missed the last, you know, the end of the last three seasons have been on injured reserve. Yeah, it's uh, it, it is really should, an interesting place to be in. Twenty nineteen, OJ did finish the season, but in seventeen, right. eighteen, and twenty, he ended the season prematurely due to injuries. Yeah, correct. Yeah, so if even if we've narrowed it down to those four position groups, Scott, there are still branches off of that conversation that we'll talk about in a second. But first of all, I wanted to say if you love the draft discussions that we have on here, especially Locker Room is the place to be. Locker Room is a social audio app that is changing the way we talk sports. It's the only place for live audio conversations about the takes, rumors, news, and teams you care about. React to sports news as it happens, gather all your friends and watch parties for the biggest games, and rep your favorite teams to find your community. Better Sports Talk is just a tap away. Download on the Apple App Store and join the conversation with Locker Room. It has been sweet to be on Locker Room, Scott, and see how many people are using it now. When we first started, when they first started as a sponsor of the podcast, it was like a newer thing. They were big in the NBA realm, but they were trying to get in the NFL realm, and it's taken off. Bucks fans have been a huge part of that. I know 49ers fans are being a huge part of that right now. Broncos fans, I think, are jumping in on it. So there is cool communities being built there. Some of the people in the chat I know are part of those communities and have been a part of our locker rooms that we've done. Uh, I just did one on Sunday. I'll do one again at some point this week, uh, too. Didn't get to do one yesterday because they were fixing my internet. <laughs> but, um, but, but we will do another one this week for sure. We've got a lot to talk about. And then, obviously, with the draft looming, we'll be having deep draft discussions as well. So it's going to be fun stuff. Make sure you download Locker Room, follow Pewter Report. Uh, you want to join those communities today if possible. Yes. Okay, so we've taken some positions off the board, Scott, not in terms of saying they aren't going to draft them, but more in terms of saying I don't know that they'll be the top of the priority and there probably will be better players at other positions. The one we, we've talked about an offensive line kind of at depth, the one we haven't talked about is 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 uh, edge defender that much. We have yes. not – we've talked about a lot early on. We probably need to circle back around and say that I, uh, edge defender picture is not much more clear than it was – a few weeks ago, Scott, we still don't yep. know. It wouldn't shock me if any of these guys weren't first round picks. Now, I think Jalen Phillips will be, and I think Aziz Ojolari will be a first round pick. But there are, you know, Ojolari didn't test that great. He's he's young, right. but you know, he's not a player that's had this unbelievable production or anything yet. Jalen Phillips has the off the field, the injury mm-hmm. stuff. There's questions with everybody, but the Bucks are kind of well suited to say we see an athletic freak like a Jason away. It's probably a little early for Joseph Asai, but. Again, if you want the fifth-year option, you're in the box. You just take who you right. like. You don't worry about trading out. So I think, I think Joe Tryon's also in the mix there too from Washington. You know, just in terms yeah, of yeah, we saw Dane mocked him. I think, yeah. yeah, yeah, and, and Dane uh, mocked him in the box today. Yeah, is is that a reach? It might be. The, the problem is, is if if you if you trade back, how far can you trade back? Because you need a trading partner. You don't want to trade back for a player. See that mm-hmm. that that's what people have to understand is is when you're trading up for a player or trading back for a player, unless you're moving one spot, right? Like they did for Tristan Wirfs. Yes. Um, that you're not trading for a, a player. You're trading for a pool of players. You have to have a pool because mm-hmm. if you're moving back five spots, there better be five players you like, right? Yes. Because one, two, three, and four could be gone. And if you thought, well, we want to trade back for this player. Well, he could be gone by the next pick or he could be gone the pick right before the spot you traded back for. And so that's why there has to be a pool. And that pool could consist of guys like Joseph Asai and Joe Tryon 
and and players from other positions too. But uh, if you know, there, there's also an old adage: if you like the player, stick and pick, right? Because mm-hmm. you just don't know if if you go back a, a certain amount, that player could be gone. Correct. Yep, absolutely. It's something that they've got to consider, and especially like we've talked about with that fifth year option. That makes me wonder, Scott. And I've seen people already suggest in the chat, and they knew where we were going. They could, we maybe we've hinted at it a little bit. I am typically against this, you know this, but trading up in the draft, the Bucks are such an unusual situation. Yeah, I just wonder if trading up in the draft is a possibility for them. I mean, we are talking about a team that does not have a ton of roster spots that are even available. You, right. you might have a D tackle spot. You'll have an edge defender spot uh, potentially. You'll have a fifth corner spot, but again, it's it's low down there. I mean, unless you draft somebody high yeah. and somebody else gets bumped, you were talking about bottom of the roster type of, of roles right now. Same for right. a linebacker. You might have a fourth line, but so one of these positions is going to get a player that's way too good to be playing that role. Probably, right. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you've got your fourth safety again, like all yeah. of it's like the, the last spot on the depth chart for all your defensive positions. And really they liked Javon Hagen last year as a special team. I remember them talking about yeah. him um, in camp. So um, we'll see what happens at safety, but those are all positions that are would in a normal draft be very low priority or not a priority at all. You just whoever right. wins that last job and can't wins it. Now you could be talking about a first round player being at the bottom of your roster in terms of the depth chart. That's where the Bucks mm-hmm. are. That is just so rare in today's NFL. Yeah. And, and it's like that on offense too, other than offensive line, which you've talked about, especially right. in the interior, where a guy could be the first backup and come in. I mean, and and the other position we'll touch on in a second, wide receiver. That right. That's the spot where I wonder, okay, they clearly have guys. If they mm-hmm. go into next season, Scotty Miller and Tyler Johnson are splitting the wide receiver three role. I think that's fine. But they are not right. going to count on AB unless he's signed by the draft. You're No way you're counting on that guy. So yeah. if they love a receiver, I wrote about three this past week, Scott. Terrace Marshall from LSU as a first-round right. consideration. As a second-round consideration, I think Diami Brown from North Carolina could be. He doesn't mm-hmm. fit all their criteria that they typically like but could be a, 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 a solution. And Nico Collins uh, from Michigan later in the draft. I'm not a Nico Collins fan. He fits what the Bucs have typically looked for at receiver in terms of physical and athletic measurables. Doesn't mean he will on tape, although he was a very vertical receiver. All these guys did some nice things vertically, uh, and that's typically what the Bucs have looked for, those kind of impact players. Pretty much everybody that they've drafted has been big yards per catch guys. Obviously, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, Scotty yep. Miller, Tyler Johnson was a big yards per catch guy. He was like the leading receiver in, the, in all of FBS in terms of downfield targets and catches or something like that. I mean, it's crazy amount of downfield targets and catches and, and, and during his, his college career. So those are the types that they look for, those types of guys. And that's the these three fit that criteria. And so I wonder, Scott, if one of those guys isn't on the radar, maybe even a Terrace Marshall in the first round, if he even makes it to 32, which, which yeah. may not happen either. Yeah, and and listen, at the same time, I, I think if, if the draft – if we get the draft time and Antonio Brown is not signed, which I would suspect he wouldn't be, we've talked about it earlier this week on the podcast. Why would you sign Antonio Brown right now? There's no benefit unless it's simply to keep him off of other teams' rosters. But this is a player that that the Bucks signed in season, and he was able to come in and help them right away. Right, right. now, the start of the season is not till September, so it yep. doesn't make sense. And no for OTAs. Guy. We haven't even talked yeah. about that, but no OTAs. Right. Like, why would you? It doesn't make sense right now for them to sign a player that's had off the field issues with all this time off the field coming before the start of the season. So I, I think this team will draft a wide receiver. Justin Watson, 
Uh, I think we've, he, we've talked about him hitting a ceiling. He's a special teams guy. He's wide receiver five. He's replaceable. And then I think, too, uh, as good as Scotty Miller is, and I, and I, I love the guy, and I, I you know, want to see more of him on the field, the right. issue is, is if you have uh, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin making $16 million plus, right, each of them, it, for right. years to come, there's just not enough room to to re-sign your number three wide receiver, whether it's him or whether it's Tyler Johnson who emerges. So you have to keep that conveyor belt going at the wide receiver position and continue to draft guys. And we, you talked about some early picks. There might be some some later round picks too. Marquez Stevenson from Houston is an absolute fast dude who mm-hmm. has has got some uh, pretty impressive speed. Blazer, uh, yeah, he really is. And when you look at at whether it's Marquez Stevenson at, at Houston, he, you know he had a pretty decent Senior Bowl. He averaged fifteen point four yards per catch um, last year, and also over his career, he was a big time playmaker. He averaged seventeen point four yards as a junior in 2019 with nine touchdowns. He's a deep threat, a big-time acceleration guy. Then you have another guy in, uh, who was, was in our mock, and that's Jacob Harris from UCF, six foot mm-hmm. five, 219 pounds. That's about the size of Mike Evans. But this kid right. runs a 4.3944 and average 19 yards per catch. That's, that's something that catches Bruce Arians' eye, that yards per catch. That's what got Scotty Miller drafted by the Bucks Absolutely. in the sixth round a couple years ago. They, they're always looking for guys who can play vertical because they like yeah. other guys to be inside outside and it's a yes. vertical attack and you need to be able to play inside outside. You can attack vertical from the slot in this offense or on the outside. So it's, and, and you know what, here's, here's the thing. If you go read Bruce Arians, book, the quarterback whisperer, he will tell you, he will give you the answers to the test in the book, which I read. And that is he loves using the middle of the field and exposing the passing game in the middle of the field. Why? Because you have your your all pro Pro Bowl cornerbacks, your you know your your mm-hmm. um, your Gilmore's, your Ramseys, those are outside corners, and they typically work along the the boundaries, right? They they work along the, the sidelines, um, around the hashes. Yes. But w- what do you have in the middle of the field? Linebackers, safeties, guys that that aren't your top cover guys, and that's why the tight end position is important. That's why the slot position is so important. The Chris Godwin position is so important in this offense. And we saw what a healthy Godwin could do in Bruce Arians' offense in 2019. He led the team over, over Mike Evans that year and became a pro bowler. But what does speed do, John? To your point, speed helps teams get into cover two. Mm-hmm. When you're in cover two, um, that's, where, that's where the tight ends and the slot receivers can work the seam because those safeties are deep mm-hmm. and they're usually split wide, covering guys like Scotty Miller. Right. It's, it's, it stretches you and it opens up that middle of the field, which is exactly what they want. We've talked about some of the bigger vertical guys. I mean, but that's also a reason why maybe some of the other guys, like the, the smaller inside receivers that are in this draft, and there's a ton of them. I mean, the, the Darius Tony, even though I'm, from Amari Rogers is not a small receiver, but he could be, he's another guy, heavy, slot heavy, Rondell Moore, slot heavy, Elijah Moore, slot heavy. And same with Kadarius Tony, you mentioned slot heavy. All these guys had slot heavy usage in college and probably well in the NFL. Now, some of them right. got more vertical more than others. Elijah Moore is one of them who got vertical more than others. Other guys didn't. I know, you know, we've had interesting discussions about Kadarius Tony. We've gone back and forth. He doesn't fit their yeah. size criteria. 
He does fit the testing criteria. At the same time, he's not really the prototype that Jason Light's drafted at all, right. really. And he yeah. really wasn't a vertical threat at Florida. He, 14 right. yards per catch is fine, but it, it was it, not it was indicative. Yards that. Catch. It wasn't the deep. Right. right. It was yards Exactly right. Yep. He is not a high A dot in terms of average depth of target receiver at Florida. So, But can he do it? Is he fast? Sure. He's mm-hmm. small. He doesn't necessarily – we haven't seen him. He's only played receiver, really, for one year. I mean, real reps as a receiver yeah. – um, you know, it's not been a lot of those at Florida. This season was his first time he really put himself on the map. I think he had 190 yards receiving last year yeah. or something like that on like 10 catches. So he is a player that's – there might be something there ceiling-wise. He would be way outside their normal criteria, especially early in the draft. I mean, Jason Light hasn't right. drafted anybody like that in the first four rounds. Anybody, You know, you could right. – skies-wise, you could maybe throw Scotty in as a comparison, but Scotty was a vertical outside receiver, you know, in college. Right. He was not at all what Kadarius Tony in terms of usage. So it'd now, be a very different player for them, but it'd be a weapon. We're talking wide receivers, John, and we've, we're also talking about Jason Light's um, his tendencies, right? Some of his, his mm-hmm. the things he looks for. Well, he looked for Minnesota players last year and drafting wide receiver Tyler Johnson in the fifth round, and of course Antoine Winfield Jr. in the second round. Does he go back to Minnesota if Rashad Bateman, the wide receiver? Is there at number 32? Is is that a player that's in consideration? We talked about yards after catch, how important it is. When he was playing next to Tyler Johnson in 2019, Johnson had a great season. So did Rashad Bateman. 60 yeah. catches, 1,219 yards, a 20.3 yards per catch average. Right, That's hard to, right. to get in college. 20 with that many catches. He had 11 touchdowns. And those numbers dipped a little bit when he became more of the primary weapon without mm-hmm. Tyler Johnson on the opposite side, drawing some attention to. And gonna keep in mind five, you know, games in the Big Ten last year because of COVID. 36 right. catches, 472 yards, a 13.1 yard average, still pretty good, and two touchdowns. So is that a player mm-hmm. that that is that is thrown into the mix uh for for a possible early wide receiver pick? I've looked at the receivers that uh, Jason Light's drafted. If you haven't checked out my article at PeterReport.com, you can. Uh, I've looked at the receivers he's drafted over. This will be his eighth draft now. So seven drafts at GM. He, he has drafted uh, a receiver six of those seven years, and a couple times I think he's doubled up. There really has not been in the early rounds. He has not taken anybody that looks like that physically that's like Rashad Bateman. You could even get to this argument about Diami Brown too. Um, Deami Brown, I'm sorry, I said his name wrong. Deami Brown from North Carolina. You could even get to this point with that argument too. They are smaller than what he typically takes. Not necessarily the fact that they're shorter. They're both six foot. He has gone for six one guys, two hundred five to two ten range. These guys yeah. are well under the weight. I mean, Rashad Bateman mm-hmm. one ninety, and, and Deami Brown one ninety two or something yeah. like that. I mean, they were they're slight. So you have to think about that in terms of their prototype. But then you also say. I don't think Jason Light's the kind of guy that would hold so fast to those prototypes that he wouldn't go outside of it if a player was good enough. Right. Rashad Bateman would be a good pick at 32. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. think he's a game. Some people think he belongs in tier one with Chase and Waddle and Smith. I don't think that. I don't think either, I think, yeah. But in, with the Bucs, I mean, who cares? Like the, with the Bucs. Right. The other interesting thing about Bateman, played inside and outside of Minnesota. A yes. lot this past yeah. year was inside, and the year before was outside. So the versatility against attractive two. Six foot three ace, by the way, for people act- asking about what Bateman was yeah. in his pro day. Those are the official numbers. I don't know what's out there, but six foot three ace. So, yes, I think he's a player they would definitely consider. The other part of the question, Scott, is when somebody asked in the chat, it might have been Jack, he said, what are some trade-up targets for the Bucks? 
if the Bucks are going to trade up and they say, we don't have enough picks, we're going to find right. somebody we love. We're going to trade some of these picks. We're going to move up in the draft. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not necessarily advocating for that standstill. I am saying this year would be more forgiving to it than other years for teams given their right. situation. Bateman is probably the only receiver. I, I think it would be dangerous to fall in love with Terrace Marshall like that. Yeah. He just, if you get intel that he's going to go before you pick a 32, even if you like him, it's hard. I mean, he just is so far away. He can't block. He's not physical. He, he didn't right. run routes yet. He's he very much a product of, of the offense right now, I think. Yeah, I think Bateman's very more good complete. athlete. Bateman's more complete. He's ready yep. to go. He could contribute. He could be a wide receiver three this season, all season. I mean, he could be. Right. Bateman to Tampa Bay is not something I've given a lot of consideration mm-hmm. to. I just assumed he'd be off the board. I mean, most right. walks, I feel like you've seen him in the 15 well, to 22 you know John, range. But. Jason Light thought Tristan Wirfs was going to be off the board too. Right? That's true. He did not think that he was going to be tackle number four taken. Right. And uh, I think he was tackle number two on the Bucks board. So, And um, Bateman did hit the, the four four forties. He ran in the yeah. four fours, four four five, and he jumped 36. So that's enough. Usually right. 35 and a half is where the Bucks have drawn the line. So there's definitely 10-3 broad. That's about the minimum for the Bucks. So he hit like the low end numbers. Yeah. So it would be a little bit of a step outside their norm. Just a couple teams though. Usual. Baltimore, Green Bay, they could use another receiver, you know, that that uh mm-hmm. be hard to see oh, yeah. him slip to 32, but you never know. Kansas, we know yeah. Always at the BI. We know Kansas City's looked into it. Kansas yeah. City's all been looking at wide receivers this offseason. So it's it's it is. It's one of the positions I could see him trading up. Some people have said trading up for Jalen Phillips. I think you would just have to be really, really confident. You don't want to trade up yeah. for a guy who can bust character wise. You yeah. just can't do it. Like right, because it, it, it's not just yeah. the number one pick you're you're essentially wasting. Then it's it's all of the draft it's capital that you've thrown up. Exactly to get right. You know, yeah, it's it would be a huge risk. I don't yeah. see the Bucks doing that for him. Well, who could they do it for, Scott? Two names come to my mind, and you feel free to throw in somebody that mm-hmm. you think of. But I think they could do it. For Tevin Jenkins, if he got yes. out of the teens, I don't think it's going to happen. He's the right if, tackle for Oklahoma State. He would play right guard for the Bucks. He would Correct. be next to Tristan Wirfs for the next decade, and they would just kill mm-hmm. people. It would be yep. amazing. And, and it might but even I don't think it's going to. I don't think it's out of the teens. Might even be a thing too for the long haul. What you're getting is is not just a guard, but you're getting a guy that can play tackle. So in case there's an injury yeah. to Tristan Wirfs, you you have a guy other than Josh Wells that you can stick in there. Easier to plug and play a guard, as we've saw. Uh, then, then there is a, a tackle and getting a, a, that upper echelon quality tackle. And the thing too is Donovan Smith is only signed for the next three years. I know that sounds like a long time, but mm-hmm. but Tristan Wirfs will still be on his rookie deal by then. And if if Donovan Smith moves on, um, and they want to move Tristan Wirfs to left tackle and reinvest in him, a younger mm-hmm. Tristan Wirfs rather than an older Donovan Smith, then you still have your rookie contract with with uh, Tevin Jenkins, and now he's your right tackle because then right. you can plug and play somebody at guard. So a lot of flexibility with Tevin yeah. Jenkins. I like and, it, John. And, and flexibility is great. I mean, it, Jenkins would be amazing. I mean, but I, my biggest thing, why I haven't talked about it much, is he's one of the players I've heard a little bit more on than other people. There are about three teams in the teens that would just yeah. kill Love him. Jenkins. Yeah. I, it would just be hard for me to see a move like that. You can't go 15 spots up for an offensive no. lineman. I just don't think you can do it no. so, as much as I love him. Um, yeah. So that he would be one. Another one is Elijah Vera Tucker. Again, I just I don't think he's going to be there. So yeah. those are the names that jump out to me. You get past those guys, and assuming Sewell and Slater off the board as well, obviously, I don't know that I feel strongly enough about jumping up for any offensive lineman. Even Dickerson, as much as I right. like him, I don't want to jump up for a guy with the concerns. No, no. Unless, yeah, you, you yeah. let him come to you at 32. Exactly right. Yeah, right. I agree. Jason at the end of the Wattier, day, if you don't like anybody, you trade back. Yeah. Jason Wadier, appreciate the $10 Super Chat. Thanks so much. Yeah. Best Bucks offseason ever. Super Bowl win plus smart signings 
and enhancing the existing roster. I'll tell you, this is going to be a draft unlike any other, John. It's going to be so much fun because there's so much unpredictability when it mm -hmm. comes to this draft. So um, you know, we're, we're going to have wall-to-wall -wall draft coverage. Uh, we're going to have a draft special Thursday night, Friday, and Saturday. Then we'll have a, a, a Pewter Report podcast wrapping it up. But uh, we're still going to have plenty of Pewter Report podcasts during the week. But we're going to have some extended, because these podcasts are typically about an hour. We're going to have draft shows that are going to be wall-to-wall mm -hmm. coverage. Uh, an hour probably before the draft starts, all the way through each round of the draft. And then we'll wrap it up with an hour post-game, or I should say a post-draft podcast on Sunday. So uh, stay tuned for draft week, because we're going to have literally uh, a, a show mm -hmm. every single day of, of draft week, all the way through right. the draft here on, on Peter Report's uh, YouTube channel. So if you have not had the opportunity, and we appreciate the super chat there, John, if yeah. you've not had the opportunity to subscribe Want to make sure you do so? Go to our YouTube page, Peter Report TV. Click subscribe; it's free, and also click on notifications. When we do go live, you'll get those notifications sent to you, so you can join us uh, for the show. And if you miss any part of this show, or if you want to go back and watch John's awesome interview with Dane Brugler from the Athletic, he's their draft expert. If you want to go watch Mark and I talk to Cam Brake, that was a fun interview. All of our shows are archived at our YouTube channel, Peter Report TV. Yeah, definitely check those out. And the draft shows are going to be fun. We've got some great stuff planned for them. But also, one of the things I like about our draft show, Scott, is that we will talk bucks and we will break down every bucks pick in more detail yeah. than I think anybody else. But the other part, we we really break down the other teams too. We tell oh, you yeah. what's going on in the NFC South. You'll be prepared to know about the other picks. It's not like we yes. just have studied draft. We like we know we've studied the draft, and so we're ready to kind of give uh, right. some analysis on, on a lot of those about guys repeating a Super Bowl champs, John. This is a team that wants NFC South supremacy, something they didn't accomplish last year. They want to be NFC South right. champions. In order to do that, you got to knock off the Saints. They did that in the postseason, but hey, in the regular season, they've lost five straight times to the Saints. I think the tables are mm -hmm. turning. I think the tide's turning for the Buccaneers this year, but um, the Saints, who are they going to pick? Who are the, the Falcons going to hone in on? Are they going to draft a quarterback to compete with or eventually replace Matt Ryan? Uh, are the Panthers done at quarterback after trading yeah. for Sam Darnold? You know, a lot of intrigue in the NFC South. It's not just about the Bucks and that number 32 mm -hmm. pick. Right, exactly. It's, so it's good. And, and also, we have this huge open window for the Bucks to potentially trade up. So you want to yes. be watching the whole time That's in true. case they're going to jump up in the draft. It really could happen. And so uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fascinating draft. And we can't wait for y'all to hopefully be joining us uh, for all three days of that uh, type of coverage. We're going to have some really, really good content here uh, for y'all. It's going to be a ton of fun, and there's all as we talked about, Scott. I think interior offensive line is on the table in the first round. Edge defender and wide receiver. I yep. think I'm down to believing it's one of those three picks. I know you're going to see other picks, uh, people. I think the most mocked players still are Barmore and Nixon, and we'll see Najee Harris and, and Travis yep. Etienne probably drop off of that. But I just don't think you're well, going. To, I don't think the most mocked guys to the Bucks are going to be who you see. I agree. I agree. And, and you're you're going to see as April rolls on, guys, stock rising and falling uh, is, you know, like like you mentioned, Dan Brugler has Joe Tryon, you know, in there um, with uh, with the Bucks at number 32. I remember when draft season started, uh, Jeremiah, um, Daniel Jeremiah had Joe Tryon at the, the Bucks at number 32. We've had mm -hmm. him in the second round for the Bucks at 64. I don't think he's going to make it to 64. There's enough interest and in buzz. about him. He had a pretty good pro day. So it'll be interesting to see if 
if, if that ends up being a target for the Bucks at 32 or later. But you know who's, whose stock is, is rising? Uh, it's, it's these guys right here. Uh, we're talking about symbol symbol. And if you don't know what symbol is, you've probably seen them. They're the, the advertising partner, the sponsor of the bucks Monday mailbag on pewterreport.com. And also here on the Peter report podcast symbol is the stock market for sports that allows you to trade sports teams like stocks and earn cash payouts. When your teams win symbol has blended sports and the stock market to offer you a new way to invest in and profit off of your favorite teams. Use your sports knowledge to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Join the early adopters that are now approaching 3,000 who have started to invest in their favorite teams. The stock market for sports, just a tap away. Create a free account in seconds at Symbol and start profiting from your sports knowledge. And here's the, the catch, John. They're going to give you a $10 deposit bonus when you use the promo code Pewter. All you have to do is go to www.symbol.app backslash Peter report to get that the Simbucks franchise is holding strong this week at $43. Yeah, it's great stuff from symbol as always. If you like the new overland, now I've seen some people say it, please go to Twitter. If you're on Twitter and tweet at Maddie M a T T Y big chest and thank him for the awesome work on the overlay. I think he did a yep. terrific job with it. It's great to work with on it. If you do, if you do podcasts or you know people who do podcasts or you need overlays, just help us. I mean, help Maddie out and promote this guy. I mean, he does great work. He's a, he's a college student who is doing this kind of on the side. And y'all know most of you've been there. You know what that's like trying to make that money on the side. And so, just yeah, blow him up as much as you can. Tweet at Maddie Big Chest and and let him know you love it and you think he did some great work. I know that'll be encouraging John, for him to hear. We're so close to four thousand subscribers. Oh, we're close. Nation, are you going to be the one that's going to put us over the top? Right, like like help us out. Get we're so close to four thousand. I think we're a couple hundred away on YouTube. So go to our YouTube page, go to uh, Pewter Report TV, and uh, and hit subscribe and help us out there. Make sure that you follow us on our social media platforms: Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at Pewter mm-hmm. Report. Yeah, absolutely. Tomorrow on the show, Matt Waldman, the godfather himself of draft coverage, he joins me to talk about the NFL draft, especially the first and second rounds for the Bucs. And we look at some of those options, those wide receivers I talked to you about. I'm going to get his opinion on him. He watches these guys like crazy. He's also a fantasy football guru. So he's taken a lot of things into account as he looks at these matchups. I'm going to talk to him about the draft, about what he sees in these prospects, especially at the wide receiver position. So it should be a fun show. We're going to talk about running back too. He's going to give us deeper running backs in the class guys that now that we don't the bucks probably aren't going in the first three rounds who down the board could the bucks like at running back he's going to give us his options there he is that's probably the best position the matt scouts running back position he does a great yep. job with that i want you to get his down, thoughts so. on khalil herbert from virginia we'll talk Tech. To him. yep the, the kansas Absolutely. transfer he, he had a breakout year last year and we know bruce arians he's yeah. a hokey so maybe there's a connection yeah. on day three that's- that's true exactly right so that'll be one that we definitely talk about as well it's gonna be fun stuff excuse me, on the show uh, tomorrow with Matt. And then, of course, next week, we've got another great slate of shows lined up for you all, as always. So thanks so much for tuning in to another edition of the Peter Report Podcast. Out. Out.